Amen, amen. We got your Bibles this morning. Turn to Acts chapter 6. We're going to start in Acts chapter 6 this morning. Acts chapter 6 this morning. And while you're turning there, a couple of things I did remember. I uh, just wanted to remind you, we do the devotions every morning at 9 a.m. We also have our Wednesday night Bible study at 6 o'clock. We're now doing that on Facebook Live and Zoom. So you have a choice. You can tune in either way. We did uh, devotions, figured out how to do that on Zoom and Facebook at the same time Friday morning. So it was great. Had Jim and Sharon and Jim and Linda uh, on there with us on Zoom. And so I'm going to post that on the website tomorrow morning. You can, you can, when you log on, you can go to Facebook Live or go to the church Facebook page. You'll see the link for Zoom. If you go to Facebook Live, I'm going to post it in there too. So you have your choice. Uh, you know, if it's early in the morning and you have not showered yet and you haven't put on your makeup and you want to stick with Facebook Live where nobody has to see you, that's fine. Amen. Uh, or, yeah, that was way too many amens. <laughs> or if you would like to join us on Zoom, you can do that. Uh, so, so we're doing that. Um, I appreciate hearing. Usually when Mike, pre- by the way, Mike will be preaching for you guys again on the 19th. We're actually going to take a vacation. We're coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to take a, some time away as a family. Uh, so Mike will be preaching on the 19th for you. So every time he preaches, I'm usually not here to hear him. Uh, but I think I may be here on the 19th, but I'll be coming back off vacation, and I don't like to preach the day after I come back off vacation. I like to relax, amen? So maybe I'll get to hear Mike, amen? But uh, that being said, I love hearing his testimony, and as we were singing those songs this morning, and I don't know if you're familiar with it, uh, there's a man by the name of Francis Thompson who wrote a poem called The Hound of Heaven. Are you familiar with that? And several, and I, it's a very obscure poem. Uh, you either know it or you don't, and um, most people don't know it, and uh, years ago, we were at uh, Lifeway, and there was a hat, and it was a Hound of Heaven hat. And I told my wife, I said, now I would like that for Christmas. And, of course, my wife is, she, she's on the ball. So, so on Christmas morning, you know, my wife, you know, gave me that hat. Amen. So I have that hat. And I was going somewhere with that story, and I have no idea where. My wife told me, my wife told me, if y'all are wondering about it, she, she told me what she said was throwing y'all. Y'all got a new preacher this morning. You got this young guy up here, right? She said what's throwing me off this morning is that I don't have my beard. I shaved my beard and now I forgot how to preach. Uh, so I, I feel, I'm, 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 I'm hoping that's not like a Samson moment. Lord, did I, was I not supposed to shave? You know, but, but my brain, and it, it's, anyways. But, but I have this hat. This is the hound of heaven. <laughs> Chasing squirrels, amen. But I have this hat, the hound of heaven. And it's a beautiful poem because the poem talks about the fact that God relentlessly pursues us, even when we are relentlessly running away from him. And there's two passages in the scripture that, 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 that kind of humble me and challenge me. There's one in Romans where it says that God gave them over to their flesh and their reprobate minds. He gave them over to the pursuit of their sin. And then in the book of Revelation, in the midst of all the judgment and God bringing his wrath upon the world to show the world not his anger but actually to show the world his mercy and to show the world that we cannot, we cannot live in this world without him. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation that for all this, not only did they not glorify God, but they were even more angry at him, running further and faster to get away from God. And here's the thing, and I thought about that, and and, and just the Lord kind of spoke to me this morning. In the midst of those passages of Scripture, even those passages where it looks like God is giving up on us he's actually not giving up on us it's he's actually chasing us harder and faster than he was before amen 
that even that person who's gone out into the world, even that person who's backslidden, walked away from God, and you think about, you, you want to think about a testimony, and I love hearing you know, from Mike, but Franklin Graham has a similar story. I mean, his dad was Billy Graham, and he ran from God. And now look at this man today. Look at how God is using him. And, 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 uh, and, and I would say, look at how God is, is using you, brother. Amen. So, uh, so God is good. Amen. Now, how do we do it? We say it. God is good all the time. God is good. Amen. All right. Well, if you're in Acts this morning, Acts chapter 6. So we talked a couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, church government, kind of a technical sermon, and, and, and tried to share a couple of things with us. At the end, we tried to just make one point. There's three things we need to remember. doesn't matter how you structure your church. Baptist, Methodist, does not matter how our church is structured. What matters in the church, what matters in the church is that we're working together for the same cause, which is the kingdom of God. Amen. And that's going to look different in every church. Baptists, Methodists, Catholics, Presbyterians, they all do it differently. And yes, I said Catholics because believe it or not, there are some Catholics who are actually Christians, just like there are some Baptists who are actually saved. Amen. The domination is not what gets us into heaven. It's our relationship with Christ. Amen. And so, so we talked about that. And we said there were three things. Number one, we said communication. And that's different in every church. Communication is essential. We have to talk. And, and, you can, and in some churches, you can talk too little, and in some, you can talk too much. Sometimes there's more communication than there needs to be. Sometimes there's not enough. Finding that balance is different in every church. We talked about that church where the communication exists in the pastor standing behind a pulpit and saying, this is what we're going to do. And everybody just sort of saying, okay, well, the pastor said, I guess that's what we're going to do. Then we talked about those other churches where communication consists of having 900 different called meetings, numerous discussions and debates, and a vote that must be unanimous before anything is done. And we talked about that being too much communication. Amen. But we need to be able to communicate. need to know what we're doing. Then number two, we talked about trust. Trusting our leaders. When we put someone in a position of leadership, we have to trust them to do what we've asked them to do. Start by giving them the benefit of the doubt. Amen. We start by believing the best in that person. Now, they, I, I would normally say they may let us down. Let me, let me, let me, let me change that. They will let us down. But that's why in Philippians, Paul said, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look for the best in that person. Realize that even when that person lets you down, there's people that you've let down. People that I've let down. Amen. And so believe the best in. So communicate and then trust. When someone doesn't do what we wanted them to do or hoped they would do, we pray for them, we love them, we encourage them in the body of Christ. So there's communication, there's trust. And then the third thing we said, there's work. Work. Everybody works. It doesn't matter what form of church government you have. Nowhere in the Bible are we as Christians allowed to be idle. There's no such thing as an unnecessary, unimportant member of the body of Christ. If you are a child of God, you are needed in the church. Amen. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I will tell you when you're no longer needed in the church. God will tell you face to face. <laughs> when he calls you home to be with him, you are done. And until then, you are not done. And neither am I. Amen? Amen. I'm going to keep saying it. I'll get some more amens out of that. Amen. All right, that's good. All right, just say amen. If you just, if you, sometimes you just need to say it just to get me to move on. Okay? But amen. We are important to the body. So with that in mind, this morning I want to talk about deacons. But 
a little bit deceptive this morning because when we think about deacons, a lot of times we're going to explain what a deacon is, the office of a deacon, what deacons do in the church. But let me just go ahead and tell you because we've already seen this. In every church, the role of a deacon is different based upon that particular church, that denomination, or whatever. So we're going to look at Scripture this morning. Let's see what the Bible says about a deacon. Next week, we're going to look at elders and presbyters, or elders and bishops, which are pastors and elders. We're going to look at that. And then, uh, I don't know what week follows that. I think the week after that, I think I'll, yes, I think, uh, yes, I think I will be here. That will be the 12th, okay? So then I will bring another message on the body of Christ and what it means to serve one another in the body of Christ. And then Brother Mike will be preaching for us on the 19th. So that's where we're going for the next couple of weeks. So with that in mind, Acts chapter 6. If you're there, say amen. amen. Verse 1, in verse 1. In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied. And that's a key word, by the way. I'm just going to throw that away. If you've read up to the first five chapters, you'll find this word, the Lord added. And they were added to the church today. The added, added. You find that word added, added. Addition is great. But now all of a sudden there's a new word. It's the word multiplied. Amen? And so the church had multiplied. The disciples was multiplying. You can probably keep up with addition. Multiplication gets a little trickier. Amen? 100 plus 100, that's 200. 100 times 100, that's more than 200. Amen. Uh, so, so multiplication multiplication is a big deal. Now, it says, There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration, in the daily ministry. All right? Um, so you have Greeks or Gentiles who have been saved, which is what God intended all along. You have Jewish believers, you have Jews, Hebrews, who have seen that Christ is their Messiah, and they're now saved. So now you have Jew and Gentile together in the body of Christ. But the Jews were accustomed to taking care of their widows and their orphans, because it was written in the law. In fact, one of the most significant things in the Old Testament, when the prophets would rebuke would rebuke the nation of Israel, it was because they had begun to forsake caring for the weak and the elderly, the widows and the orphans. It's one of the strongest criticisms of the Old Testament is when they stopped taking care of those people who could not take care of themselves. And that was written in the Jewish law. Take care of your widows. Take care of your orphans. And so now here you have some of the Grecian widows who are being neglected in the daily ministry. Now the Greeks were just the opposite. The Greeks were totally unaccustomed to this because the Greeks saw weakness... As just that, a weakness. The Greeks saw that if you were weak, you weren't fit. The Greeks very much believed in their philosophy the equivalent... Well, I don't want to go down that road this morning. Yeah, I do. The Greek philosophy, 2,000 years ago, no different than what we're thinking about today when you take Darwinism to its extreme, which is very simply the survival of the fittest. You're either strong enough to survive or you die. That's what the Greeks felt. So a Greek widow wasn't cared for in Greek society. That was not the normal thing in that culture. You reached a certain point where you were no longer profitable to society and society turned away from you. That runs contradictory, completely contradictory to what the Word of God teaches about how we value each other. Did you get that? Amen? And so the Jews had to learn. They had to learn how to bring these, these Grecian widows into the process. So... The church, the early church, had to learn how to love each other. In 2,000 years, we're still learning how to what? How to love each other. Jew, Gentile. Well, let's 
bring something home a little more fitting for today. White, black, Christian, Christian. Amen? Language doesn't matter. You speak Spanish, you speak English, doesn't matter. You're white, you're black, doesn't matter. Are you a child of God? That's what matters. Amen? And so here, in the first, in, in, in chapter 6, one of the first things that the church does is address this need for ministering to each other and serving each other in the body of Christ. Amen. So with that in mind, and I I guess I should keep reading, verse 2, Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason or it is not suitable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now be careful, we're going to come back to that. Because it almost looks like the disciples are saying, There's people in the church that need to be served, but we're not servants. That's not our job. That is not what they're saying. We're going to make sure we're going to bring that out this morning. Amen. The disciples were servants. They just served in a different way. We're going to get to that. It says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And there's the key. The disciples were servants, they were just different kind of servants. So with that in mind, let's look at a couple of things and get a little technical, but we need to do all this to make a point. All right, you have here in Acts chapter 6 the first instance of servant work in the church, servant work in the church. Uh, and in the first five, you see some sort of pictures of it, and they're serving, and the Bible tells us how they cared for each other. The Bible tells us that they had all things common in Acts chapter 2, uh, and again in Acts chapter 4. So the Bible tells us that they were, they were already taking care of each other, but they didn't really have a title for it. They didn't really have it organized yet until it came to this point, when in the midst of caring for each other, the church had grown so big that people were being neglected, they said, we've got to organize. Organization is a good thing. Amen. Organization is a gift from God. I hear pastors and churches, and I know of denominations and churches who say, well, we don't really have any kind of organization here. We just do whatever we need to do when it comes up. And that works until something comes up that you don't know how to do, or you don't have the people to do, or the resources to do because you weren't prepared for it. Amen. And so here the Bible tells us that they're organizing and they're preparing. And this is the first instance of servant work in the church. And you have what is generally referred to by most people as the formation of the deacon body in the church of Jesus Christ. Now, with that in mind, there's a couple words I want to draw our attention to. All right? In verse 1, you'll see the word in the daily, in the King James, it says in the daily ministration, the daily distribution. You might have a word that says, yours might say food distribution, or it might say ministry, but the daily ministry, the daily food distribution. So that's the first word. The word that's used there, in fact, actually look also in verse 4. It says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So ministration and ministry, that's the same word in the Greek. It's the word diakonia, diakonia. And it's the word from which we get the word deacon. Diakon, diakon, deacon, diakonia, deacon. It's a deacon, but it ends, in, and this is important, it ends in two letters, I-A, diakonia, diakonia. Now, in, 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 in this, and in, in, in if you look now, where is it, where is it, where is it? Here we go, in verse 2, it says, the, the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And serve tables. The word that is used there is the word diakoneo. 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 It's a little bit different. So here's what I want to explain this for us. You have, two, you have three words, all translated a different way, but there's really only two meanings here. It refers to a servant, not a slave, 
It's not the, and in fact, in the Greek, these words are so carefully used and structured that it, it goes out of its way. And I, I don't need to bore you with Greek this morning, and you don't want me to. Amen. But there's a different word for slave. In fact, the word that's used is doulos, bond slave. And it's, it literally means a slave, someone who's bound to someone. The word that's used here is the word for a servant. It's the word for someone who serves. A slave serves, but a slave serves against their will. Amen? See, a servant serves because a servant wants to serve. Amen? That's the word that's used here. It's not compulsion. It's not force. It's in this passage, men who are willing to serve the body of Christ. And that it's the most simple form and the most simple meaning of the word deacon. Deaconia and deaconeo. But deaconia refers to the act of service. That's in verse 1 and verse 4. It's the act of serving. The daily ministration. The daily ministry. We will give ourselves to the ministry. It refers to what they're doing when they serve. Amen? So you serve, you're, you're identified as a particular type of servant by what it is you're doing when you serve. So the deacon serves, the pastor serves, but they serve in two very different ways. Amen? The Sunday school teacher serves, the chairman of a committee serves, the church member. We serve each other. We are, get this, there, this is not the beginning of the introducing of servants in the church. Servants were already there. If they didn't have servants willing to serve, then they couldn't have anointed servants like these servants to serve where service was needed. You get that, amen? They didn't become servants. They were already servants in their heart. It was the attitude that allowed them to fulfill a position and serve in an office in the church. Amen? Oh, boy, this, I almost don't want to say this. You want to know why we struggle with this in the church, finding servants? It's not because there aren't enough offices and things that need to be done in the church. The problem isn't filling an office or saying there's an office. We know there's needs. We see the offices. We see the things that need to be done. The problem is finding enough people in the church with a heart to serve. And the day ever comes when we let the devil get us to believe that when we can sit in that pew and it's somebody else's job to serve us and we sit and we take it in, we have lost the understanding of how beautiful and powerful and wonderful it is to be important and vital and needed in the body of Christ. And you sit there being unused and God desperately knowing that there's something that you can do for him because you're still here. Amen? So, with that in mind, the word diakoneo in verse 1 and 4 refers to the act of service, but diakoneo refers to the office. When it says, when it says, that, we, uh, when it says that we should... Uh, uh, serve tables, referring to the office there, it refers to a servant, not a slave. It's a willing act, and I love this. This is, I love this. It's a willing act that benefits another person. And it can be either menial or significant. Like serving as a waiter at a table. Now, the disciples were not diminishing the role of a servant. They were defining the responsibilities within the church. Now, isn't it great to know that there are some things that you and I can do in the church that if we're in a position of service, and if we serve in that position and we don't do it very well, the church can probably, okay, that's all right, that's all right, we can work around that. That's, that's, that's a small position, a small thing we can get around that. 
But there are some positions of service in the church that are so significant that if they're not done well, that the whole church will suffer and even collapse. Amen? So as you move up the level of servant, and here's the word I want to introduce now, servant leadership, not leadership, servant leadership. Amen? Because at no point do we ever stop being servants. We've established, have we established, have I established that? Amen? So when we talk about this, this idea of servant leadership, we're talking about the position. The position determines the weight behind the character of the servant. We're going to get to that in a minute. Ooh, maybe. All right. They were defining the responsibility. In the early church, they had a greater responsibility. The disciples had a greater responsibility to theological integrity. They, this, 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 this young church was being assaulted and attacked on every front. And it wasn't long. In fact, when we get into Acts chapter 7 and Acts chapter 8, you're going to, persecution is going to come. Amen. And Stephen, Stephen, one of the men who here is going to be appointed as a deacon, is going to suffer under that persecution. Amen. Uh, in fact, in verse 5 it says, They chose Stephen and Philip and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenius and Nicholas. Prosely. So they chose the seven men. And then just a few chapters later, Stephen, who is serving Christ, is going to be stoned to death. And one of the men standing there while he's stoned, putting an approval on it, is Saul of Tarsus, who later would become Paul the Apostle, the writer of the New Testament. And in writing the New Testament, he would talk about the seriousness of serving in the body of Christ. Having been responsible for the death of one of the church's first most significant servants in the deacon body. Amen. This is serious. This is significant. But see, the, the church was under attack and the disciples said, we, we, it's not that we don't want to minister to the tables. It's not that we don't want to take care of the Grecians. It's not that we don't want to do this. It's that right now we have to make sure that in taking this position, we don't neglect this position. Amen. And so they, they needed pastors. And we're going to talk about the next week. We'll talk about elders and bishops. And we'll talk about how that works. But here now, we're talking about the body serving each other, serving each other. Every one of us finding a place of service and signal. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why. And, and, I, and it still amazes me when I go to churches and I do this and people are surprised when they see me. When we, last year when we did, the, the, we, did the, we did two things. We did, the, um, we did the teacher's thing with the teachers, and we fed them breakfast, and we took them to the church that morning. Then we did the back-to-school bash, and, I, and here I am out there, and, and, I, and I showed up. And, and you had time windows, you know, two slots and everything, and I showed up, and I'm there. And then the first time window passes, and, 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 and even here, some of, y'all, some of y'all said, you're still here? Your time window's up. I said, but, but I, I'm just here to serve. Amen. But I've been in churches where I've showed up at events to serve and they were shocked to see the pastor there. Amen. Now, we, and, 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 and there's probably some times when I was shocked to see me there, but, but, but we all serve. And one of the things that I, I love, and in fact, I got me in trouble in one of my churches, and, and, and Mike, we, we, had a, we were in a church and we were trying to build a youth group. And we, had, we didn't have a youth pastor. We had youth leaders. So anytime there was a youth function, I went on the youth function to sort of be the pastoral figure over that. But not only that, because when I was growing up, one of the things I loved most in the church was being a part of a youth group. We had a great youth group. And when I became a I thought originally I was going to be a youth pastor. Then I found out how fast young people get on my nerves and realize I can't be a youth pastor. That's just not, the older I get, it doesn't get any better. Amen. 
But I would go on these events, and, and everybody would say, the pastor is going on the youth trip? Yeah. Wow. And it's, it's almost sometimes when we serve. Now, it's one thing if all the pastor does is go on all the youth trips and he doesn't preach sermons. Then you've got a problem. Amen. And if you have a youth pastor, he's probably going to have a problem. Now, wait a minute now. Who's doing it? Amen. But we all serve. Have we established that? Amen. We serve different ways. And when the time is right, and, 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 and this is the key, it doesn't matter whether you're serving, and, and, and this, is just for, this is just for us to understand. This is not, this is just, it doesn't matter whether you're serving here or you're serving here. Now, as far as I'm concerned, service, you know, that's not, service is service. But I'm trying to get, we, we, we understand that this position and this, we, we, we qualify that. Amen? But the reality is a servant is still a servant. And the character is the same. And, and the one thing that matters, beloved, is this. We can never come to the place, and it doesn't matter where you're serving in the church. We, can, we should never come to the place where we think that any position of service is too low for us. But also, don't ever settle for a low position of service without thinking that maybe God can use me to serve in greater ways than he's using me right now. Amen? You ought to be praying. Does God want me to be a deacon? Does God want me to be an elder? Does God want me to serve on this committee? Does God want me to be a pastor or a preacher? Does God want... You ought to be praying. As you serve... And you, and here's the catch, beloved, as you and I serve and we get the joy of serving and we get to see people, and, and, and believe it or not, when you serve today, there are still people who will actually say thank you. Amen? When you serve and you get the joy of serving, and even on those days when you don't hear the thank you, you know that the one you are serving has a reward for you and is grateful for you and thankful for you. It challenges us and moves us to seek greater positions of service in the body of Christ. Amen. Do not settle. Do not settle. One of the biggest things that I struggled with in churches was, and, and, and every church is this way, it comes time to nominate. Nominating committee season rolls around, trying to fill all the positions in the church. I'll say two things about that quickly. Number one, if there's a position in the church you're trying to fill and nobody wants to do it, then it's quite possible you no longer need that position in the church. Because if the position was needed, somebody would be there to do it. God would have somebody there to do it. Amen. Sometimes it's, it's okay to let a position go. That was free. Amen. But, but, but it's, it's when you go to look for deacons. It's when you go to look for, for, for people to serve in some of the key, some of the positions that we do tend to lift up and, and look as a more important leadership position, like a deacon or an elder. And we, we have a hard time finding those individuals. And I'll say two things about that. Number one, and this is what I started doing in my churches, is I started encouraging everyone serving in a position of leadership to pray about somebody in the church that they could mentor who would eventually rise up and take their place, which meant that as a pastor, and to this day, and, 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 and this hasn't really worked for me, I have not mentored a young pastor because you've already figured out that I'm annoying, and so has every young pastor I've ever come across. Amen. But I have mentored, so I have been able to invest in, in different young men in the ministry and go out in the ministry, and I've seen them go and, and serve the Lord, and, I, and I'm thankful for that. But, 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 it's, but I encourage everyone in the church to, to look for that person, for every deacon to look for a young man that they can train them to be a deacon. Uh, Pleasant Grove Baptist Church, they have that. They have it's called the, the Yokeman. Yokeman? Yokeman, they call it. And it's where you take young men in the church and they travel, they, they go with you as a deacon and serve as a deacon. They see what a deacon does so that when it comes time to nominate new deacons, the deacons go, well, these are the young men in the church 
that we've been walking with and encouraging, and they're ready to take this new position of service in the church. We have to train up our leaders, amen? We have to train them up. I got stuck on that. When you have a, <laughs> now think about this. Go back to this. We're talking about waiting here. We're talking about waiting, serving tables. I'm not going to get to the second half of the message. This is, this, we're going we'll, we'll, to have to stop. <laughs> it's not good that we serve tables. It's literally the word that's used for a waiter. Amen? Now, I want you to think about, help us to understand this. This is why this is important. When you go out to eat, and right now we can actually go back out to eat. Some places, are, amen, you can actually go back to eat now. And, 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 and as I shared with you before, when I go out and I sit and the waiter comes now, I try to find out what, you know, what have you been doing the last couple of weeks? Because some of these people, you know, these waiters, that was their livelihood, and they've been out of work. And, 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 so, uh, and so as the waiter comes over and waits on, on us, we, we need to realize that, that, that they have a job. Their job is to serve us. That's what a waiter does. We understand that. When you're sitting there at the table, you understand the waiter is supposed to wait on you. Now, if the waiter could ever figure that out, Because we've all had that waiter, haven't we? Well, I've told you about a friend of ours, Brother Clint. His, his rule for a tip is this. He orders the drink, you know, at the beginning, the Coke, whatever he's drinking, the tea. And every time you fill up his glass, that's a dollar added to the tip. Now, see, if I ever figured that out, every time I walk by his table, there's, I mean, he'd have that much room. There's some more tea, there's some more tea, there's some more tea, you know. And I'm counting it, too. I filled that glass 15 times. There'd be $15 left on that table. I was going somewhere with that. <laughs> so waiters, they wait on us. But here's the thing. You and I know, beloved, when you and I are out and we're at a restaurant and we have a problem, do we say, you know, get me the waiter? It's not what we do, is it? We say, get me the manager. Get me the owner. Because we recognize that when you're in that restaurant, the waiter is not the only person serving. There's a cook in the back. There's a hostess who often greets you when you come in. And somewhere behind the scenes, hopefully, there's a good manager or owner. And I love it when I go to a restaurant and everything's going great and for no reason at all. you got the manager. I love the ones where they walk around. How's your dinner? Is everything okay? Everything's great. Amen. I, go, I went out there. I was looking at a card, and I was trying to figure out where I got it. And I, was, I don't know where I got this card. And I think it was when Javier and, and, and his wife, Grace, and I went out to eat lunch the other day. We went to Longhorn a couple weeks ago. And the manager came over, and I was looking, why did I get this card? And I remember the manager came over and said, great, here's my card. If you ever need anything, let me know. If I ever need anything? Like if I'm at my house on Friday night, I, you know, let me call them, amen? But that's service, isn't it? That, that, that's, that's, and that's a different position. So with that in mind, I'm going to have to stop, because I can't get to the second half. We're not, we're not going to make it to Timothy this morning. Two things. Number one, they had the same role, servant. But number two, they had different responsibilities. One was more physical, making sure that the widows had food, amen. And one was more spiritual, making sure that the church had the word of God and was prayed for. Amen. But, but they're both servants. They're both servants. I really want to go... can't do it. I want, to, I want to go to Timothy, but I don't want to keep you here for another half hour, an hour. I really, have we established this morning that it's important for the church to understand, number one, that we're all servants. Say amen. 
that when we serve each other in the church, those positions of service often carry different levels of responsibility. Say amen. And, and then, 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 then could I close with this this morning? Would we be willing to pray? Number one, God, make me a better servant. Would you do that? Say amen. Would you be willing to say, God, help me to pray for those in the church who are serving me? Say amen. And now more than ever, because I didn't read it this morning, would you be willing to pray, God, as we're in this time of transition, send to First Baptist Church Mapleton a pastor who will serve us the way the Bible tells him to serve us. And we will pray for him and love him and encourage him as our servant leader along with everybody else in the church as we serve each other. Amen? That's a beautiful, wonderful thing. I think I shared this with you last week um, or the other day. and um, well, I, well, I forgot it, so it must not be important. <laughs> let's do this. Let's bow our heads. Let's, let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads. When we look at the world today, when we look at everything that's going on, can we agree that one of the biggest struggles we're seeing in the nation right now is, is, over, is over service? Who serves and how? And what it means to serve? Can, can we agree that, that we've forgotten that in, in, in the world we're all men and women, human beings, flawed and frail, doing the best we can most days to survive. And can we look this morning and let the Holy Spirit show us how very important it is that the church shows the world how to serve, how to love our leaders, how to trust those that God has gifted and put in a position of service that carries great weight and responsibility with us. And, and, and would we be willing to say that no matter what else, no matter what else, no matter where I go or what I do, that we would show the world that we are servants. Lord, every day I understand more what it means when you say, the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve. And it's such a dangerous thing. We see it in the world, and unfortunately we see it in the church, when we come to the place where we think it's about us being served, and we forget the beauty, the power, the, the privilege, the honor, the blessing of being a servant in any capacity. I'm so thankful that for whatever reason you chose me to serve the church through the preaching and teaching of the word, your word, God. And I'm so thankful for the people that have served me through the years, ministered to me, invested in me. And I'm so thankful for the servants in this church. The way this church serves each other, the way they love each other and care for their community. And I'm, I'm praying, for, I know, Father, I'm praying for the day when we can reopen the food pantry, among other things, 
But just take this moment, this invitation in our hearts and our lives and renew and refresh and strengthen within us a passion to serve anywhere in any way that you let us for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.